Here we go from Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer at loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asked and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next three days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles and so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent his night, spent the night without eating and without entertaining, entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was listed from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who'd falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. 
Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, what I want you to, you know, when you read this story, um, it just kind of uh, comes to me, and I hope to you, um, that there are many things that happen to us beyond our control. A lot of things are going on in the darkness. There's a lot of things being said. There's a lot of things being done that affect us directly, that hurt us, that happen beyond our control. And one of the lessons in Daniel, this is our sixth week in Daniel, um, sixth week, is that our hope is that there's so many things that happen outside of our control, some good, some bad, that ultimately God is in control. That God is in control. This is the last of the Daniel story narratives in this book. The rest of the chapters are visions, and we'll get to those in the coming weeks, um, that Daniel had during the time of these stories that were known, that were not known to the public and recorded in the rest of the chapters. So this is the last narrative, the last story of Daniel. A lot of times people end the sermon series here because this is it. Daniel the exile, taken from his homeland in Jerusalem to a foreign land to serve as a government official. Now at 80-something years old, is on his third king and second kingdom. And this story is... The threequill, right, of God versus the pagan world challenge. And this time, unlike before, it is not um, defiance directly to the king, but defiance to a trumped up legal order that basically takes Daniel's religious freedoms away. Now, Daniel is the good kid, the teacher's pet who never fails the test. And destroys the curve for everyone else. You know those people. Maybe you that person. And the king has made him the hall monitor. Well, okay, yeah, he being one of the ministers like being the president, if you will, over one part uh, of the government. So his jealous classmates think we can't get him on his work. He never cheats. He doesn't need to. He's smart. He never has had detention. He is such a good leader. He's never, uh, never, he crosses every T and dots every I. He, he doesn't overlook things. How can we get this guy? Well, he's got this God crush, right? This, I am serious about one, the one God thing, right? So they come together in mob. The Bible's term for mob here is this demanding fashion. And they stretch the truth by using the ambiguous we. We, 
They said it with that inflection. We that made the king believe everyone, including Daniel, you know, we think it's a good idea, especially for a new king like yourself over this highly religious place to double park in your role and play priest for 30 days. And everyone has to do their worship and prayers and confessions through you. And they did this knowing Daniel prayed to God, open door, facing Jerusalem three times a day. And it wasn't strange, even in the pagan culture, um, in in this time, that that people would pray three to five times a day, sometimes to, to a deity that wasn't God. But Daniel was doing what was ordinary. And here we go again. Daniel, in not compromising his faith, like his three friends a few chapters ago, gets the death sentence. This time to be lunch for the big cats, right? Yet sure, this time the king doesn't want him to die, but his jealous associates have the king in a sling. The law says he can't change the law, and they have their foot on Daniel's neck and his back as they get him kicked into the lion's den. And like any good superhero episode... Daniel's inevitable death is on a timer, right? We got you. You know, one of those things. And when the time is up, you'll be gone. And you know, if if alive in the morning, they had this kind of trial thing where in, if you're alive in the morning after going down in the den with the hungry lions, you're all right if you survive that. You're free. They know that the time is just a formality. But once again, they failed to check their polytheistic peripheral vision inside mirror because Daniel's God, like every time before, is right there, standing right there. And as a matter of fact, like in the fiery furnace story, God comes and hangs out in the den with Daniel. And by his powerful presence, these lions purr instead of roar because the Bible tells us that God sends his angel to close the mouths of the lions. And all this happened, unbeknown to the king, who suffered probably more than Daniel, who who that night refuses to eat and listen to music or can't go to sleep, hoping that, that Daniel's faithful God would come through. And the Bible says the next morning, like a kid on Christmas morning, whether he wondering whether he got switches or a gift, the king kind of nervously runs to the den, and you know with this, I don't want to know, but I got to know with this one-eyed Daniel... You there? You alive? Did God save you once again? And Daniel answers, the lions are cool. I'm cool. Because God and I are cool. You get it? And he gets Daniel out of there. Goes back to his rooftop condo. Well, what goes around comes around. Almost fits here. Because the jealous liars against Daniel get a family trip. To the king of the jungle petting zoo. (laughs) The Bible says that they didn't even get comfortable. They didn't even hit the ground before the lions ate them. Can you say kibbles and bits and bits and bits? It wasn't really a funny part of the story. But it's there. The king is so happy, the Bible tells us, that he proclaims this song or poem or rap. Or something. We got some singing, poetic, slamming kings back then. They put a theme song and rhyme and rhythm to every event. And it says this. For he is the living God. 
and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. In other words, Daniel God is not only the real God, but the true God. He and his kingdom is no joke and no lie. And his proof is in the pudding. Daniel being alive after the lions is the proof. Because when his people get in the jam, God himself gets into the mix and he saves them. Everybody needs to hear this. And that remains important for us as a decree today to believe. For this world, we need a God who is true And will be true to us in issues that are beyond our control and issues that are we find ourselves that go on in the darkness and places we can't see and we can't touch. We need God to be true and real for us. Understand that this whole lion's den drama is a result of a half-truth, a hidden dark thing going on, a, a lie designed to devour Daniel. You see, the real lions were his co-workers, right? They went in the dead. They were right there. These lion lions, the ones with the big tails, no pun intended there, did their work in a pit of darkness and deception. And, and you and I are, are called to be able to, and are called to relate here, because believe it or not, or know it or not, as broken humans in a in a fallen world, we live in a place, a pit, if you will, where there are plenty of lies and plenty of lions, where we play roles of the ones who's deceived and the ones doing the deceiving, where where most of the time the truth, the whole truth. And nothing but the truth is hidden from us or escapes us. I think about the way we live our lives. We move and operate and and we take chances on perception and promises that are half true and sort of true or just enough truth. All the time we do this. We enter into relationships with people. Maybe you married to one. Who hide who they are and their intentions from us. And, and it's either that, okay, sometimes we are sincerely deceived in relationships or in human fashion, we don't want to face what may be a heart-wrenching, inconvenient truth. And so we just close our eyes and hope to ride it out. And along with the lies people can tell us, I mean, the Bible teaches and reveals that there is an evil spiritual world that's led by the devil whom in the Bible calls the father of lies that like this group of jealous enchanters is small, but it's kind of pushy and whispering his thoughts and untruths through this world and and into its decision makers and even tempting us to believe them. But truly... Sometimes the worst lies and deception are the ones we tell ourselves in the mirror or in conversations with ourselves. If you like me, you talk out loud, right? You think out loud, right? Everybody talks out loud. But when you think out loud, right? Oh, boy. Be a long day here today. You know, we, we tell ourselves all kind of crazy stuff. 
And you can tell when it's probably one of these liar deception things because it always borders on, I'm the worst, right? Or I'm the best. Or I'm not so bad. Or I'm no good. Or I'm okay. Or, you know, right? And, and now the lie becomes what informs you and drives your decision making. Some of us have been caught and are caught up in the next scheme to get rich or healthy or famous or thin or holy because you believe you aren't pretty or fast or rich enough, low to bunk. And, and we are driven by this stuff. And half of it promises like it did King Darius to secure us. If you do this, you'll be good, King. Make yourself the mediator. This will be good for the kingdom. We all think it's good. Don't you like these infomercials? They always, they got somebody just like you on that commercial. Right? You think, this ain't for me. And then there's the guy, right? There's a lot of times, they're like, look, there's only white people in there. That ain't for me. And then they get the one black guy. Hey, it worked for me too. You know, it just, gosh, we, right? We, come on. We, we all ride in the same line. Why don't you just join us? And, and like Darius, we, we, we believe in, in things again. We can't always see it. Sometimes you buy it and all the pieces are in a box, you know? But like Darius, we think it will secure us. But there are things that promise to secure us that will actually take life and sucker us to lose good things about ourselves and others. In this world, Living is a constant liability. Because, I mean, half of what our lives are built on is shaky stuff. Stuff you think you can do, right? Man, if I had to build a foundation in my own house, I think I'd fall down next week. Well, that day, I couldn't build a house on top of it. Anyway, our lives are built on shaky stuff. We think we can do it. We think we see it all. And it can fall through at any minute. And some of you, I know, have recently experienced stuff built on untruths that have fallen completely through. Like King Darius and Daniel. You can't know. You can't always show and see it all coming. You don't have control of everything going on in the darkness. You have been lied to. You've been deceived somewhere. And so unfortunately, King Darius takes these lies and he makes them into a ruling or a law. Now I want you to listen, there's nothing wrong with the law here. But the law he made is in conflict with the truth of God and in conflict and it keeps and it causes deep issues for Daniel in his relationship with his God. But you can understand what Darius is doing here. Let's face it, he is under pressure. He just became the king. He's either Darius or Cyrus. There's some confusion there. Maybe Cyrus is the king and they call him Darius. But anyway, but this king is under pressure to secure his kingdom. And in his duress, informed by something less than the truth, he makes a law that he should not have made. That is against and not the law of God here. He should have never set himself up to be the mediator between the gods and people. Now understand clearly, there are two laws at work here. Unfortunately, the law of man, Darius makes, built on some half-truths, and the law of God. And sometimes, hopefully, they jog together. And, and they are not always in conflict, but in this situation, built on lies and not informed by God's truth, 
our laws, our promises can bring condemnation and can actually enslave you and others. Now, I want you to recognize it's no small thing that the 30 day law makes Darius the mediator of spiritual life for the kingdom. Because when we make our own rules, when we make our own laws, when we respond to life's issues and problems and taking control of our world, we put ourselves in the position, a blind position of being the mediating God for ourselves and others. It's true. We try to fix our world with laws, our own laws, our own rules, our resolutions and resolves. We have made promises to ourselves, especially in hard times when things are under pressure. We say, I promise never again. I resolve verbally or mentally. We promise after and in much hurt or fear of the unknown or, or pressure or suffering or loss or, or just wanting to be accepted or loved. We have promised some things that have become big problems for us and others and others even in their promises for you. Like Darius, we have made laws that are impossible for us to to live up to and handle, right? We've said and declared a law in our hearts to never because of the hurt we felt. You know, thinking about membership today, I'm never going to trust church people again. A law. I mean, that stuff get tight in your heart. We have done an interview. It just you can't, you can't, you can't break free. No, I can't do it. I've been hurt. And in that hurt, you made a law that can't be broken. It's actually like it did Daniel bringing compromise in your relationship with the Lord. We've made laws to never trust men again, some of us, or, or, or to ever love again or ever be committed again or whatever. Some have said, I, what we said this one, I'll never be like my parent. In this way. Or I'll never do this or that. Or okay good church people. In good church religious moral fashion. To have borders and orders. In order in a way God has not called you to. Because he alone sets the borders and the order. And gives us the grace to live by. So that we can handle our religion. In a dark place. In fear of being spiritually lost. Or out of control of our own spiritual life with God, because, you know, he don't know what he's doing. you got to have some control. Some of us have determined adding or highlighting what shouldn't be or some half-truth of the Bible passage. We've made silent laws of this is the worst kind of behavior, right? This one, that's the real bad sin right there. Or that one is the bad sin. Or, you know, or really, we're going to be the really good husband or wife or parent that does these things one through five. We've made laws. We've made rulings about ourselves or real Christians do these things. You know, boy, it's a lot of things we got to do in here. But you picked three and made it your law, right? Real Christians do these things and don't do these things. And we've made declaration of behavior and penalties for our own kingdom. And I understand why it's hard to live here. I want to be righteous. I need some rules that are work for me. Because I'm under pressure. I don't want to be lost. I want my kingdom secure. And so if someone comes up to me with a good religious suggestion to get my... Man, I've been to so many conferences. I hate conferences. The other day we had a 
in the office, we were looking at some new church software called a webinar, right? Not a seminar, a webinar with the guys, and you can see him and he's, okay. I hate anything in and with NR. I can't stand it. We got a conference to, conference to set you free. You come to this one, you will be changed forever. I hate that stuff. And every year you got to go back, right? And sometimes those things are good. Don't get me wrong. Some of y'all need to go to the conference. But sometimes you go to the conference and you come back with a new law. A new promise. You got a lot of laws and promise to come back with to be righteous. And if you just got two, it's half true. <laughs> or it ain't even half true because you only got two. It's like a thousand. <laughs> I don't know what the fraction on that is. <laughs> Let's just call it half truth. We're in an uncertain future, right? We've done this. I mean, will we hear, I hear some of your testimonies. You had some messed up stuff happen to you. And now you're a Christian. You're religious. I promise God. And I promise everybody around me. And you be telling your friends, I'm going to raise my kids this way. And I'm going to do the church this many times. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to read this. Just so my kid's life or my life doesn't turn out like that. I want to protect myself. And don't get me wrong. Oh, the law of God is good. There are things the Lord teaches us in Scripture. It's good, and it does have benefit. It promises that it has benefits. But for us to do a law as a way to gain control under fear or uncertainty is not the way to go. I promise that this won't happen to us like they did me or my family. I promise to be the perfect parent and this and that. Okay, God? I'm going to be the mediator of my grace. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. I'm the mediator. That's King Darius's decree. Makes sense. Take a little control of your life. Just for a little while. Once you get out the hard times. 30 days. No problem. You know, I won't drink, smoke, or chew or hang with those that do, right? And some of you have made these vows or promises in right and just and good God law abiding ways. No problem. Some of y'all don't need to drink, smoke, chew, dance, hang, whatever. Y'all don't need to. But sometimes we make laws and promises out of what is not really or truly the law of God. And we can tell it because most of the laws and promises or declarations we make are directly dependent upon our ability to be faithful enough to fulfill them. And we find ourselves in people we should care for and love enslaved by them and condemned by them and trapped by them. Man, I thought I was just Daniel in this story. Now you made me King Darius. That's right. We find that we can't live up to our or are whipped and messed up by the lies. We or others driven by deception or fear of deception have made that affect us. I mean, Daniel now. Okay, we Daniel now. Daniel finds himself in the middle of a lie and caught between the law of man and law of God that someone else has declared. The Bible says upon hearing this thing, Daniel went ahead and prayed. He knew he was in the fix. And it, and it does something. It, it was it was a law of of a man and a lie that that worked to try to separate him from the grace and love of God. That someone else has declared. But here's what's hard about this story. 
someone who in King Darius actually was in a position of care and who actually liked him. It makes me think about the promises and laws of parents and caregivers. My kids will not be like me. They will be smarter and faster and better, I promise. But they did it to secure something in themselves and not really you. Spiritual leaders, right? Right? Pastors and stuff. Go short on this one. Pastors and stuff. Or those leading us. Okay, throw that out there. Or discipling us have put laws of condemnation on us for their own sense of security and worth and pride because they got to do it right. See, it's not about you. I just got to do it right. You know, the Bible says that when Darius made this law, it was law. He couldn't break it. In order to be right in the kingdom, he couldn't switch it around. It was over. And some of us in our, we got to be right. We got to disciple people in this way and lead them this way for our own sense of security. We've put laws of condemnation for our worth and pride. And they, I mean, people put uh, laws for their own sense of security and worth and pride. And let me tell you, some with good intention but uninformed minds and hearts have created a spiritual abuse on us. All Christians, right, they say, should have or display certain spiritual gifts. Everybody needs to share their faith in this way. Right? You're scared of people, but you're going to go downtown and tell a drunk man Jesus needs him. Right? You got to do that. You got to have this spiritual gift. You got to stop doing this. You have to read this. You have to memorize this many verses. And let me tell you something about churches, man. When you are a pastor, you feel insecure all the time. I mean, I hear all these stories. Y'all are wacky. And I mean, wacky good and wacky bad. You're over here and over here. I mean, y'all as far to the north and south and east and west from each other. And I want to create a solid army for Jesus. So I would love to just make some stuff up. And that's what churches do. They be making stuff up. I'll tell you one way we could get people and make them be good Christians and our church can look like I think it should look old because I want to just please God so bad. Really pleasing yourself and your own self-righteous. But I just want to do it so bad. And okay, maybe there's some good intention there. All right. King Darius might have been a good king, but it's tempting to make something up, some kind of law, some kind of rule for people that isn't biblical or partially biblical. Or, you know, verse 1a says in the Bible, so we need to all do it. And some of you grew up in churches. And some of you grew up in families that bought the stuff. That believed the lie of righteousness. And security. That sometimes, that somehow human beings can put themselves in a position well enough or strong enough to keep themselves safe and above all fallenness and brokenness. That's a lie that a lot of laws in religious circles are made upon. You can't be a mediator. 
And now, guess where you are? And guess where you put people? Condemned. They can't have a relationship with God, right? They're trapped. Won't even come in the door. Oh, are you, I mean, it's the reason why I'm like, are you a pastor? No, I'm kind of like a public speaker. Because I don't want people to know, because you know, you're a pastor? Oh, Lord, we know about y'all. Freedom. There is freedom in the law, God. I want y'all to know that. But if the intention is the lie of self-righteousness, the lie of self-security, man, we some law-making people. And according to Daniel's 80-year-old situation and stuff, I have some bad news, sort of. He's 80. It should be over, right? God should be faithful to him. It should be done. I'm 80. I've been standing for Jesus all of a sudden. And this, and understand that it, because this is an 80 year old man who's been in this kingdom for 50 plus years, this struggle that we have between an unseen, dark, lying, condemning, deceptive world of laws and legalism that is struggle with it, it means that this struggle in our heart and world around us is and could be a lifelong, constant struggle. Why do you come and hear the gospel every week? Because you forget. Why do you come and need to hear God's truth? Why, man, look, why do we got to come to church again? He's going to say the same thing again. We sinners and Jesus is going to show up in a story somehow. I mean, why do you got to hear that again? Why? Because you've been lied to. It's easy to get lost. You get stressful and you make up stuff. I like to make up stuff. I'm creative. Sometimes I'm reading this, but I'm like, dog, why did God have to go that way with it? We will find our hearts deceived and imprisoned in a place that could separate you or call you to be separated from the grace of God. That could put you in a place of compromising yourself or others or your faith in God. And when I say place, not only in your heart, but in real circumstances that have come up and you have been faced with in your life. And here's where the courage, here's where the courage, we kind of going along today. Here's where the courage is in the story of Daniel, right? Because it is easy to talk about the courage of Daniel being vindicated by God's saving of him from the physical death of the lions. And I want to make sure that we know what this thing is truly about. Considering the amount of Christians throughout the century who were eaten by lions, right? Who were used as human candles. They were faithful, but they still got eaten by the lions. Their bones were broken. What happened to them? They didn't trust God or something? Well, here we go, making another law now. They must not have prayed that morning. They might have prayed two instead of three times. That's why they got eaten by the lion, right? We must realize that the end goal or lesson of the story is not stand up for God, bring your big Bible to work when they said no. And then look for God to stop death, pain, suffering, job, or relationship loss. But that when you and I realize that we can't, don't, and won't see it all, and when you find yourself a victim and victimizer of lies and condemning laws, guess what? That you will be in a place like Daniel with the lions where only God can save you and rescue you. Where only God can be true to you and for you. You can't get out the mess of lies and legalism. You can't on your own. 
The Bible says God sent his angel to close the mouth of the lions. The lions here are more than the creatures. The lions are the liars and the teeth of man's stupid and dangerous lawmaking. The lion is, is your self-condemning behavior and promises and the laws that just leave you feeling guilty and worthless. The lion is the embarrassment and death of a whole life you thought was right. The embarrassment and, and heart hurt of lost relationships and humiliation. When the, when the covers are pulled off and you realize the whole thing has been a lie. I thought about how dark it must have been in that lion's den, right? It was dark down and he had to stay overnight. They didn't have fluorescent lights in there. There wasn't no electricity. Then lions didn't need to see to eat. That's y'all. Well, not, I can, okay. You know, we go through all these self-controlling factors that say, you know, in your life. And when those things are gone, the lion's mouth says God is silent. I want you to know this. In those positions, beyond your control, when you're deceived, when there's darkness, when you're trapped in legalism or whatever else, or by legalism, only God's angel can save you. Don't make another law to get out of it. As a fact, the Bible says King Darius tried to make another law to loophole the law and he couldn't do it. Only God's angel can save you. Let me say it again. Only God's angel can save you from that condemning feeling you got. Or from the lies or from the dark deceptions that you don't even know is going on in your life that's happening to you and left you feeling empty. Only God's angel can save you. And like the fire furnace, this could just be an ordinary angel. But for those of us who live post Christ coming, we know that God himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, came to join us in the lion's den. To put himself between the lies that would destroy us and the law that would condemn us. And declares what Daniel says here. I've been found innocent, blameless, the word is, in the sight of God. Because Jesus, who who said he was the way and the truth and the life, will come to our dark and dangerous and deep places where we ourselves can't see or know or are not powerful enough to go and he puts himself between us and the condemning lies and he closes down what will emotionally and mentally and spiritually try to eat us. Jesus in his life and death and resurrection bought for us a righteousness and promise of justice and his kingship that closes the lion's mouths, that closes down condemnation, that that closes down the, the deception that can kill you, that now gives us the ability and freedom to be honest about our issues. To admit, Lord, we in darkness, we can't see it all. We get finally free to admit our deception and inability and our desperation and darkness to see it all and make all the right decisions and rules and laws about ourselves and others. Jesus closes the mouth of the lions and you need to know that so you can be free from having to make vows and laws we can't keep but will enslave us. And in that, he gives us a faith that will not and cannot compromise us or compromise him. Jesus closes the mouth of the lions. He alone is the light in the darkness. He alone is the truth 
and deception. He alone goes there with you and for you and is powerful enough to bring you out unscathed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't know which way is coming. We don't know which lies, which truth all the time. We don't know how the history or biography of our lives have trumped up stuff in us. It just isn't completely true about us or you. And our faith is compromised. We are hindered from coming to you in, in openness and truth and sincerity because we've got all the stuff shackling us. Lord Jesus, free us from the lies of the world and the devil and, and people and ourselves and allow the gospel the fact that you came to stand between the lions and those who would be devoured, Lord, that you you survived death and you resurrected to assure us we would not be lost. We would not be devoured by what would separate us from the love of God in Christ. You are the true God. Be that for us, we pray. Amen. Amen.